Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Wednesday, July 15th. I'm Lorraine Cáceres. These are today's headlines. As the coronavirus crisis worsens in the U.S., health experts warn the death toll could surge to more than 220,000 people. The head of the CDC pleads with people to wear a mask, saying the safety of school children and the battle against the virus is dependent on face coverings. And a day of division at the White House, President Trump downplays the risk black people face at the hands of police and attacks Joe Biden from the Rose Garden. We begin today's show with the latest on the coronavirus pandemic. Dr. Anthony Fauci warning it has the potential to become deadlier than the Spanish flu. This as more than 30 states report hospitals are at capacity and new projections show the death toll could reach more than 220,000 by November. The U.S. reaching a new single-day record of COVID-19 cases, more than 67,000 cases in the last 24 hours. Dr. Anthony Fauci warning the coronavirus pandemic has the potential to become the next Spanish flu. If you look at the magnitude of the 1918 pandemic, where anywhere from 50 to 75 to 100 million people globally died, I mean, that was the, you know, the mother of all pandemics and truly historic Uh, I hope we don't even approach that with this, but it does have the makings of the possibility of being, you know, approaching that in seriousness. With at least 38 states experiencing a rise in new cases over the past week, many hospitals are already overstretched. A FEMA document highlighting hospitals in 33 states have a shortage of health care workers. We are full. The vacancy light is off. The death toll now stands at 136,000, the University of Washington projecting 224,000 deaths by November if hospitalizations continue to increase. In California, as the number of daily new cases reaches over 7,000, new guidelines on who can be tested were released in hopes of managing overcrowded lines. In Florida, 54 hospitals have no ICU beds. Miami-Dade County is the new epicenter with the positivity rate at 30%. The mayor of Miami warning a second shutdown is possible. The situation is dire, as you mentioned. Um, You know, our hospitalizations are at an all-time high. Our ICU beds are double what they were in April. But if things don't improve dramatically over the next week, um, we could be forced to take very dramatic measures like reinstituting a stay-at-home order. In Arizona, meanwhile, only 17 ICU beds were left as of Tuesday in the Phoenix area, where the positivity rate is 26% and the county morgue is 96% full, reporting more than 100,000 cases since June 1st. The mayor of Phoenix saying the spread of COVID was completely preventable. The governor of Oklahoma, strong critic of masks, social distancing and shutdowns, has now tested positive for the virus. He attended the rally of the president in Tulsa three weeks ago. Meanwhile, the military is sending personnel to Texas due to the surge in cases there. The state reporting a new single day high on Tuesday with more than 10,700 cases. And now to heart-hit California, where hospitalizations and ICU admissions for coronavirus patients have set a new record. On Tuesday, the California Department of Public Health reported almost 7,000 hospitalizations and more than 1,800 ICU admissions. 
The Los Angeles County reported its highest single-day total for new cases and hospitalizations. And joining me now is Dr. Rodrigo Alban, a general surgeon at Cedars-Sinai Hospital in Los Angeles. Doctor, those numbers are shocking. What are you seeing at your hospital? Uh, thank you. We have seen an increase in our number of COVID cases. Uh, however, compared to our surge and spike in uh, mid-April, uh, we have not seen an exponential increase. Rather, we have seen a steady increase in number of cases as well as hospitalizations, both uh, in, in the wards and also in the ICU. Doctor, in Los Angeles County, 48% of the population is Latino. Your hospitals service area is 49% Latino, and we know Latinos are being more impacted by coronavirus. Why is that? That's a great question. There is a number of factors that we believe um, lead to this disparity in a number of cases in the Hispanic Latino population. Uh, some of those factors include um, the disproportional uh, amount of uh, uh, Latinos who are part of an essential piece of the workforce. Many uh, Latino communities are not able to stay at home safely and uh, uh, they have to go out and work. Um, part of that uh, disparity in socioeconomic um, circumstances force many of our communities to um, be exposed to, to, to the, the virus. In addition, the cultural uh, background of multi-generational um, households where uh, people live at home with abuelo, abuelas, with uh, moms and dads and, 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 and kids also poses uh, greater risk. Doctor, as we all know by now, Los Angeles uh, schools are moving to online early learning only this fall. What are your thoughts on that decision? Uh, it is a very um, difficult decision. I'm sure the healthcare authorities have uh, put a lot of thought into this. Uh, certainly, we want to um, provide the safest environment for our uh, little ones, for our loved ones, and also our teachers. Um, there is a lot of uh, um, data showing that uh, even kids can can get affected uh, with, with the virus as well, uh, even though they could transmit the virus to other people uh, in the household as well. The CDC is now officially saying wearing a mask not only protects the mask wearer, but those around. How much of an impact does this announcement have? It is important to remember that one must always uh, wear uh, their face covering uh, whenever we're in uh, enclosed environment, as well as outdoors when we're in close proximity to others. Maintain six feet distance. And um, so far, we do know that the virus is droplet, transmits via droplet uh, um, spread. However, there's some data coming out that it it argues that it might be also airborne. I think we're still in the early stages of understanding how this virus is transmitted, but wearing a face mask is essential in preventing further contamination. And doctor, my last question. On Tuesday, the, the nation's top infectious disease expert, Dr. Anthony Fauci, said the world should see a vaccine in about a year or a year and a half or so. But until then, what do you want people watching you to know right now or to do? Well, right now we need to continue to follow guidelines as uh, recommended by the CDC and by your own health authorities within your county. Uh, we're seeing, seeing a number of uh, cases uh, that are that is going up. 
please continue to wear your face covering. Please continue to maintain distance. Um, if you feel sick, sick, please seek for attention. Uh, don't delay your care. Many institutions, including ours, can provide safe care for non-COVID-related conditions, which include uh, heart attacks, strokes. Uh, we are also seeing a number of cases that are not being taken care of uh, in a timely fashion because of, of the, the fear of, of going to a hospital. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Rodrigo Alban from Cedars-Sinai Hospital in L.A. Thank you. And meanwhile, this week's decision by the Los Angeles Unified School District, the nation's second largest, to not reopen schools for in-person classes in the fall has some parents relieved and others scrambling to figure out what comes next. And as Jaime Garcia explains, it's an issue that millions around the country will soon have to face. The doors of Los Angeles public schools will not open for the new school year on August 18. And more than 6,000 students like Angie Estrada will have to continue their studies online from home. It's a pretty good idea because right now there's a lot of people getting sick and I don't know, I think we should stay in the house longer and I don't know, stay safe. The decision of the nation's second largest school district to not open was not a surprise. In the last two weeks, the number of active coronavirus cases in Los Angeles has doubled, threatening to overwhelm county hospitals. They are saying that indoor places are the highest risk of infection. With three children in school, Graciela Estrada says that even though staying at home is safer for students, it is also challenging for many parents. We have to dedicate more time not doing other things in order to pay attention that they are studying, as opposed to leaving the kids in school. And now we can't do that. As recent as last week, 83% of teachers weren't agreeing not to come back to schools. President Donald Trump considered the decision in Los Angeles a mistake. Schools should be opened. These kids want to go to school. You're losing a lot of lives by keeping things closed. Because not far from Los Angeles, in Orange County, California, the tears of this teacher were not enough to convince the school district of that county to not open schools due to the danger of more coronavirus infections. The majority of the Orange County School Board decided to recommend the reopening without mandate the use of face coverings or social distancing in classrooms, leaving the final decision to the administrators of each school. For me, education is very important, but without any risk above all, especially if my child could die or infect other people like his grandparents. In Los Angeles, Jaime Garcia, U News. Now to the latest on the White House's handling of the coronavirus crisis. While the head of the CDC issues a dire warning for Americans, the Trump administration is facing backlash for its decision to reroute coronavirus patient data over to the Department of Health and Human Services. Andrea Linares has the latest on this public health controversy. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention makes it plain. Americans should wear a mask while in public. Face coverings are the key. You know, if you really look at it, um, the data is really clear. They work. You know, we're not defenseless against this virus. CDC Director Dr. Robert Redfield adding that masks will be a main factor in the reopening of schools. Face coverings are not a symbol, but they're actually a very important preventive intervention that can really block 
this virus. Even President Trump now reversing course, urging Americans to wear masks to prevent the spread of the coronavirus. And First Lady Melania Trump was seen wearing a mask during a visit to a women's center. It's the first time the public has seen footage of the First Lady in a face covering in several weeks. For now, it may be a while before we see any light at the end of the tunnel. I do think the fall and the winter of 2020 and 2021 are going to be the, probably one of the most difficult times that we've experienced in American public health. While some say that President Trump's relationship with the nation's top infectious diseases expert, Dr. Fauci, is deteriorating, one of Trump's top Republican allies is defending him. I think any effort to undermine him is uh, not going to be productive, quite frankly. Fauci sat down with Chief of Staff Mark Meadows on Monday, but didn't see the president and still hasn't spoken to him in over a month. Asked if he's ever considered walking away, Fauci said no. But today, it was White House trade advisor Peter Navarro who slammed Dr. Fauci in a blistering op-ed for USA Today, writing... Dr. Anthony Fauci has a good bedside manner with the public, but he has been wrong about everything I have interacted with him on. He wrote that in February, Fauci was telling the public the China virus was low risk and complained that Fauci flip-flopped on the use of masks. The White House saying Navarro is going rogue. As tensions intensify, new developments. Hospital data on coronavirus patients will now be sent to the Department of Health and Human Services instead of first being sent to the CDC. The move sparking criticism. Four former CDC directors penned a Washington Post op-ed. They say it's a political move at a time when the White House wants to reopen schools. As of today, hospitals are to begin reporting coronavirus patient data to HHS, and this is according to the New York Times. The reason it's significant is because the CDC's database is accessible to the public and used by researchers to make projections. However, HHS keeps its database private. In Miami, Florida, Andrea Linares, U News. Thank you, Andrea, for that report. And as the coronavirus rages throughout the U.S., President Trump stoking racial division in two different interviews Tuesday. This all happening on the same day the president held a news conference about China, that event then turning into a grievance-filled campaign speech. Edwin Pitti joins me live from Washington, D.C. Edwin, tell us what happened. Lorraine, it was supposed to be a press conference about China, but instead, in the White House Rose Garden, President Trump held a campaign self-speech slamming Joe Biden. The president also displaying a defiant approach to the Black Lives Matter movement in a pair of interviews. It was a question President Trump did not like. Asked why black people are still dying at the hands of law enforcement. So are white people. So are white people. What a terrible question to ask. So are white people. More white people, by the way. More white people. The reality, minorities are killed at disproportionate rates and black Americans are more than twice as likely to be shot and killed by police than white Americans. As he sleeps in the polls and clings to his base, the president now stoking racial division even more. Ask whether he understands why for so many the Confederate flag is a painful reminder of slavery. Well, people love it and I don't view, I know people that like the Confederate flag and they're not thinking about slavery. I just think it's freedom of speech. 
And in an interview with a conservative website, he jumped head on into another flashpoint. The white couple who pointed guns at Black Lives Matter protesters marching outside their St. Louis home. They were going to be beat up badly and the house was going to be totally ransacked and probably burned down. But that is not what the video shows. This, as he faces growing criticism for his handling of the pandemic, with COVID cases surging, the president held what was billed as a Rose Garden press conference on China. Instead, he delivered a more than an hour-long rambling campaign-style speech. Biden wants to defund our military. Mentioning Joe Biden at least 30 times in a long list of baseless claims. This afternoon, the president is headed to Atlanta where he's expected to talk about infrastructure. But we do know, Lorraine, that that's actually a battleground state where Joe Biden is leading the president by two points. So definitely a place to keep an eye on for the next election that is only 16 weeks away. Lorraine, back to you. And we'll be watching. Thank you, Edwin PT, reporting live from Washington, D.C. And now to Texas. Last week, the remains of Vanessa Guillen were found near Fort Hood in the central part of the state. The discovery coming several months after the 20-year-old soldier was first reported missing and just shortly after one of her two suspects in her murder allegedly took his own life. On Tuesday, the other suspect in the case appeared in court for a bond hearing. Pedro Rojas has the latest from Waco, Texas. With protesters demanding justice outside the courthouse in Waco, Texas, a federal judge denied bond to Cecily and Aguilar, who pleaded not guilty on three charges of conspiracy to tamper with evidence for allegedly helping Aaron Robinson dismember and burn the remains of U.S. soldier Vanessa Guillen. Relatives of the victim attended the hearing along with their attorney. Mayra, Vanessa's oldest sister, spoke about her experience. You know, it did bother me that she still decides to plead not guilty. And, you know, we're going to keep pushing until justice is served. The family met with federal prosecutors and demanded that Aguilar should be charged as a terrorist because she allegedly engaged in the killing of a U.S. Army soldier. In the hearing, it was alleged that Aguilar attempted to erase her Google and Facebook accounts before her arrest and spoke about leaving the country. Also present in the courtroom was Keon Aguilar, the strange husband of the defendant. He said that he is willing to help her and admitted to knowing about the romance between his wife and Aaron Robinson. I knew of Aaron Robinson. Um, I knew that there was something going on. Uh, my wife had um, left hints. Vanessa Guillén's father, Rogelio, spoke about the feelings he had during the proceedings. It was tough and I felt lots of pain, he says. The federal judge indicated to Cecily and Aguilar that she will remain in jail indefinitely and there is not a day for a new hearing in this court. Meanwhile, the attorney for Vanessa Guillén's family announced that the Guillén's will be meeting with President Trump. The president would like to meet with the Guillén family in the White House privately on July 29th. She also says that on July 30th, the I am Vanessa Guillén bill will be introduced in Congress and there will be a march from the U.S. Capitol to the White House. In Waco, Texas, Pedro Rojas, U News. More of U News after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. U News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. U News, your world, U News on Fusion. 
Welcome back to U News. Elderly residents turn into rock stars and a two-year-old basketball star goes viral. Mariti Marungi has a look at today's viral stories. An elderly care home in the UK has found a unique way to show their residents totally rock. To keep spirits high during a months-long lockdown, the Sidmar Lodge Care Home in England recreated iconic album covers, with their elderly residents standing in for the rock stars. The project covers an array of artists, from Adele to David Bowie to Elvis Presley. Even staff members got in on the action in a killer Queen cover recreation. The pics have, of course, gone viral, making social media stars out of the faux rock stars. But the organizer says his main priority is to provide the residents a lockdown experience that is happy and full of enjoyment. A toddler from China has become a viral sensation thanks to some pretty remarkable basketball skills. The boy reportedly learned by watching his father and was imitating him. By the time he was one, all that practice had paid off in viral fame. The boy has become a bona fide b-ball bouncing bigwig boasting some 400,000 followers. Never thought I'd feel bad about my social media status and athletic skills simultaneously. Thanks, buddy. Heads up, now is the time to glimpse a once-in-a-lifetime celestial event. A three-mile-wide comet named Neowise will be visible in the northern hemisphere skies at certain times of the evening for the remainder of July. After that, it will disappear and not return for 6,800 years. Mariti Murungi, U News. And finally today, ABC's Dancing with the Stars has found its new host. The network says that Tyra Banks will host the hit dancing competition. The supermodel will also serve as an EP for the show. Hosting duties are not new for Banks. She took on the role on NBC's America's Got Talent for a season. But she is famously known for hosting her own reality show competition, America's Next Top Model. Banks joins Dancing with the Stars as its longtime host, Tom Bergeron, leaves the show. Aaron Andrews is also stepping away as co-host. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review. Join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.